reading to you a letter that I received just, well, last week, right, right at graduation time. I don't get a lot of letters from my students at Southeastern University, but once in a while I get one, and this one touched my heart. Let me read it to you. It's short. Doc Harris, every college student has that one professor who inspires and brings out the best qualities of their personality. You have been that professor for me. I am so very thankful to have received the opportunity to learn from you and to be your student. Your life story really inspires me to soar past and beyond my circumstances and who I used to be in the past and to aim for the best version of myself for today. Thank you for being vulnerable with your story. It has made you and your classes the most entertaining of any professor I have ever had. Prior to SEU, I was a very lost and suicidal young woman. I always felt that my voice did not matter in the world. When I took introduction to speech class, I'm the speech professor, by the way, with you my freshman year, it allowed me to start to gain confidence in my voice and destroy those lies from the enemy. And then all the classes that I took, she took five classes with me. Advanced speech this past semester felt like my final healing step to understanding that my voice is worthy to be heard, impactful, and a gift that I can give to the world. Thank you for being my favorite professor and for teaching me the skills of great public speaking. Your presence in my life these past few years has meant so much to me, and I am a changed person because of you. What a great letter. What a great letter. But how I wished that I had known four years ago that this young lady was suicidal. How I wished that I had known that I was making a real impact in her life because I didn't know. She was really just one of the literally hundreds and possibly thousands of students that I've had there at Southeastern University. And I knew who she was because she took all of my classes. She would stop by my office to raid my candy jar whenever the door was open. And I would always invite her to, to come in and sit down and, and tell me what was going on in her life. But she never told me any of this. How I wished I would have known, because it sure would have been an encouragement to me. Maybe I could have been an even more of an encouragement to her as well, had I really known, but she was just one of the many students. She was nice, she was pleasant, she was talented, but frankly, I got a little irritated with her from time to time. She would be late turning in her assignments, she would come late to class, oftentimes she wouldn't come to class at all because she had to work. And I got a little bit irritated. I endured this young lady. I can't say that during those four years I really enjoyed this young lady. 
But now I have this. She's moved away, clear on the other side of the country now, and now I know that I had an impact on her life. So I'm thankful for that, but oh, how different it might have been had I known. Maybe I would have enjoyed her more instead of just enduring her. This morning I want to look at a passage which Pastor Joe read for you. And I, I, want, I, want, I want to look at that because this, this is what Paul was writing, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi, to the Philippians. And Paul was writing about how to enjoy people, not just endure them. How to really enjoy the people that God has put in your life. Think about the folk that God has brought into your life. God has brought these people into your life. And he's brought you into their life. And it's not by accident. It's not by accident that my wife and I are in this church. Oh, I remember the first Sunday we came. Sunday school was getting out. Several of the teenage teenagers were, were, were coming from, from Sunday school, and they saw us. We were walking towards the sanctuary, and I know they looked at us, and they were. At, I could tell from the looks on their faces like, oh, you people have no idea where you're at. You are so lost. I've seen that look before. But we have been welcomed. We have been received. Yeah. And I... I enjoy, I enjoy you. I don't know all of your names. I'm horrible with names. I've got the picture book, you know, that, that, that uh, Dr. Stevens, you know, had put together. I, I, I'm trying, but I'm really bad. So if I mess up your name, it's not because I don't love you. I enjoy you. Three keys Three keys from this passage in Philippians chapter 1. Three keys to enjoying the people around us rather than just enduring them. The first one is this. Remember the best, forget the rest. When we look at people, we need to remember the best in them and forget the rest. Philippians 1, uh, 3 to 5, uh, I'm going to read it. I'm used to preaching from the New Living Translation, the NIV, but so, so please excuse me. I, I, I use all different translations. Listen to it this, uh, from the NLT. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Paul, Paul was saying, I like to remember the good things about people. I like to focus on the good times that we've had and remember the positive experiences. What do you remember about people? When you think about people, what do you think about? Do you remember the good things? Or do you dwell on the bad, on the negative? When Paul said this, uh, he... He did not have an easy time when he was in Philippi. You can read about it in Acts chapter 16. It was not a good time. I, when he was in Philippi, he was arrested illegally. When he was in Philippi, he was whipped. When he was in Philippi, he was humiliated. When he was in Philippi, he was thrown into prison. While he was in prison, there was an earthquake, and the whole town just asked him to leave town. This was not a good time in Philippi. 
But yet, but yet, he says, when I think of you, I think of you with joy. I enjoy my memories of that time in Philippi because of you. And yet it was not a good time. Maybe in the past you might have been hurt by a parent or a principal or a partner and you're still holding on to that and you're having trouble enjoying that person because you're focusing on the bad. Paul would say, remember the best and forget the rest because God put those people in your life there's a reason for them to be there. Be grateful for the good in people. Pleasant memories are a choice. I can choose what I want to remember about people. And I know, I know that this young lady that wrote me this letter, I know that from now on I will never remember all those times when she did not show up. When I had to email her and say, where is your assignment? When I had to call her into my office and say, look, either you start doing some work and turning things in on time or you're not going to pass this class. I'll not remember those things for long, but I'll remember this letter where she said, you had an impact on my life. And I'm here today and I'm the person I am today and she will be a very successful person. She landed herself a job straight out of college, a good job, working in a television studio. Just what she wanted to do. I'll remember the good things. Because we get to choose what we think about. Look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. You're familiar with this verse. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's what we fill our minds with. That's what we remember about the people that God has brought in to our lives. Be grateful for the good in people. And you know what? Paul appreciated these people because of their loyalty. He said, you were with me from the beginning of that time there in Philippi. You're still hanging in there with me. It was tough. It was hard. But yet you stuck with me. That counts for a lot, doesn't it? Loyalty, faithfulness counts for a lot. In the years that I was a senior pastor, 31 years, I had a lot of different ministers of worship, and they worked with me. But I had one couple, a husband and wife, and they were with me for 19 years. 19 years. Now, they were not, they were not the greatest musicians in the world, and they'll be the first to tell you that. They were not Quentin Darrington level. I don't know how many times I had people on those 19 years come through my church. And here's what they would do. Here's what they would do. They would come. They would start coming to my church. They'd stay for a while. And then they'd come to me and say, you know, you really ought to get rid of that minister of worship and his wife. Get somebody better. We're going to leave the church because we don't... We just really don't care that much for the music. It, it's, it's all right, but it's, it's not good enough for us. Why don't you fire that minister of worship and his wife? 
get somebody better. I said, well, can you do the music? Or do you know someone who can do the music better for the, for the amount of money that my church is paying this minister of worship? Here's what we can afford. Here's what they make. Here's what we give them. We paid them weekly, very weekly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, can you do it or do you know someone who will do it for this amount of money? No. I said, well, that's why. The one thing they did was they were loyal. They were faithful. 19 years I went and I never had to worry on a Sunday morning whether we were going to have a worship leader and whether we were going to have music. Never one single time. I knew that. They were faithful. And now they're being faithful to another congregation. Another congregation who can't afford a great talent, but they can afford good talent, and they're serving the Lord still. Faithfulness, loyalty. Paul said, you were faithful, you were loyal, and I remember that about you. Who is it in your life that has hung in there with you when they probably should have just hit the door? Who has put up with you? When they probably shouldn't have. But yet they're still there. And they still love you. And they care for you. And you can count on them. You need to thank God for them. You need to thank God for them. I thank God for my wife. She, she, she married a reforming terrorist leader. A reforming terrorist leader. I will not say she married a reformed terrorist leader because I was far from reformed. But at least I was on the right track. But she put up, and she will testify to this, she put up with an awful lot because I was learning. She was loyal. And she'll say amen to that. Sure she will. If you want to enjoy others, you've got to focus on their strengths, not their weaknesses. Focus on the best, forget the rest. And you'll start enjoying people, not just enduring people. Here, number two, remember the best, forget the rest. Watch what you say when you pray. Watch what you say when you pray. Paul said in Philippians 1.4, Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. He loved that word, joy. Watch what you say when you pray. Be positive with your prayers. Pray deeply for the people that God has put into your life. Positive praying is so much more powerful than just positive thinking. Oh, I, I know, I know the, the, the common current thing to say is when, whenever something happens to someone, well, you're, you're in my thoughts. I don't want to just be in their thoughts. I want to be in their thoughts and their prayers. There's a big difference. Because thoughts are nice, but prayers touch God. Prayers begin to move God into action, and God brings changes in lives. Prayer can change things. Thoughts are nice, but prayers change things. 
But watch what you say when you pray. Because Paul, when, when Paul prayed, he prayed four things for, for these people at Philippi. And they're not what we normally pray. They're not the kinds of things that we normally pray. I mean, how do you pray for people when you say, I'll pray for you? Well, what do you do? One thing I'm always impressed about with this church is, is if I mention to Pastor Pickett, oh, we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to be gone on Sunday, or we're, we're, we're going here, or we're doing this. I mean, he just stops and prays right then for you. Amen. And I've seen the other pastors, I've seen the deacons doing the same thing. Well, why not? I'll pray for you. Well, what, what do you mean you will pray for me? Why don't you just pray right now? Just do it now. But what do you pray? What do you pray? Look at what Paul prayed for these people. Uh, Philippians 1, 9 to 11. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. That's discernment. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Oh, how often do we pray like that for people? Oh, you see, it's easy to pray in a crisis when we know exactly what's wrong. I mean, if somebody breaks their leg, I mean, that's pretty simple. God Heal them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heal their broken bones. Make it quick. You know, please do it quickly. Uh, you know, I, that's easy. Paul went a lot deeper, didn't he? He went a lot deeper. When you pray for other, Paul, pray, Paul said, pray that they will for, grow in love was the first thing. Grow in love. Overflow more and more. May you abound in love. How many times have you prayed for people and prayed that they would grow in love? Pray that they would make wise choices, discern what is best, understand what really matters. That's getting into their mind. That's going a lot deeper than, that, that oh, heal that broken uh, uh, toenail that they've got, you know? A lot deeper than that. Pray that they will do the right thing. He said, may they live pure and blameless lives. And, and then pray that they would live for God's glory, filled with righteous character, he says. Oh, that's going deeper. I've been a Christian a lot of years. I've heard a lot of prayers in churches and Bible studies. I've prayed a lot of prayers. But, you know, rarely do we ever hear praying that goes that deep for people. But that is God's will. And we can pray that way for the folk that God has brought into our lives. And I'll tell you what, when you begin to pray like that for your friends and for your family and even for your enemies, when you begin to pray like that, you will start enjoying the people around you. And you'll see them as the gift that God has given you. You see, we... There's nothing wrong with, with, with praying for, for, for health and for wealth and for success and, and praying for, for good jobs. And there's nothing wrong with that, and we should pray for that. But I'll tell you something. We are on a life and death journey. We are headed to the kingdom of God. And there are important matters that we need to consider. And we need to take our friends, those folk that God has given us, they need to be going with us, and they need to be going with us as holy and blameless and pure. 
three keys to enjoying the people around you rather than just enduring them. Remember the best, forget the rest. And watch what you say when you pray. And then number three, what you see is not what will be. What you see is not what will be. Philippians 1.6, I am certain. He says, I am confident. He says, this one thing I do know and fully believe, that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. What you see is not what will be. What you saw is gone. And what you see today, he's not finished. There's more. There's more. It's a process. And we don't know where people are in that process, but, but, but we have got to understand that that's it. Paul looked at people's future, not just their past. Oh, I thank God that my past is in the past. Or I guarantee you, I would not be standing here in this church today. I thank God my past is in the past. And here I am in the present. I've come a long way, but oh, I still have a long way to go. And so do you. Paul looked at their potential, and he was patient with their progress. You expect people to be patient with your progress, don't you? You want people to be patient with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm particularly happy, like I said, that my wife was patient with me. She's put up with me for a long time. We're about re- in, in June, we'll celebrate our 33rd year together, married. Yeah, 33 to married. And then we dated for almost three years before that. So she has put up with me for a long time. Yes. And I'm particularly happy that she was patient with me. But here's the thing. You and I often judge others by how far they have to go instead of how far they have come. We judge others by how far they have to go. And we say, oh, why aren't they there yet? And we forget, where did they come from? And they've come a long way already. And God is still working. That's the thing. God hasn't stopped. He's still working. Paul says that what God starts, God finishes. What he started in your life at salvation, he's going to finish at the end of your life. Yeah. Mankind, you know, we are, we are great starters, but we are not good finishers, are we? I mean, you think about it. Man leaves unfinished symphonies, unfinished buildings, unfinished books, unfinished projects. What do you have that's unfinished? We all have something, don't we? We started, but it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Man is not we. We don't always finish what we start, but God finishes what he starts. If God has started a work in your life, he's going to finish it. 
That's just the way God is. That's his nature. That's his character. That's what he does. He puts the finishing touches on everything. In spite of the hang-ups and the faults and your bad decisions and your sins and in spite of all the circumstances that you face in life, God is still going to finish what he started in your life. We are going to make it. Thank to the Lord. Paul says he enjoyed the Philippians because they chose to ignore. He chose to ignore the bad things that happened. He concentrated on the good. He was grateful for the good that happened. Yes, he was. He remembered the best. He forgot the rest. Look for the good in people, not the bad. Who do you need to be thankful for? What do you need to be thankful for in your life? Look for the good, not not the best. Remember the best. Forget the rest. And watch what you say when you pray. Pray positively for people. And pray deeply for people. And your prayer life will come alive. And then what you see is not what will be. Don't give up on the people in your life. Oh, there were times when I wanted to give up on that young lady at Southeastern. There were times when I just shook my head. Other professors in my department, we had meetings about her. We talked about her. Yes, we do. I said, I can't get any work out of her. I don't know what's wrong. She's bright. She's intelligent. But she's busy with this and busy with that. And I don't know what's going to happen with her. I'm glad I didn't give up completely on her. What you see is not what will be because God is not finished yet. Who do you need to be patient with? Whose progress do you need to be patient with? Who do you need to think about and say, I've been enduring this person in my life, God. It's time I start enjoying this person. Because God has given you that person in your life. There's a reason for it. There's a reason for every single one of us to be where we are. And if God has put that person in your life, start enjoying them.